Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. What's going on? Thanks for tuning in. My name's Mark. There's Mr. James Dockery, a happiest man on... The happiest man on the internet, as far as I'm concerned. I don't care what Lyle says. Uh, we're, I don't let's either. Say we got some people in the room. We got uh, Betty with a couple across his fishing, Buckeye Catfishing, uh, Lyle over at Catfish Weekly, Fishing with the Chad. Hey, Chad, what's going on? Uh, Kentucky Big Cats and Bourbon, love that name. Skip, what's up, my friend? How are you? Uh, somebody just popped in here. Uh, got JP3, what's up, buddy? Uh, Norm, hey, Norm, how are you? One Ton Fishing Club, what's going on? Art, how are you? Uh, there's more people coming in. Hey, Ace, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in. Tonight, uh, I'll try to uh, say hello to everybody as they're coming in. We'll take a few breaks. If you got any questions, if, uh, hey, Jim, what's going on? Stanley, how are you, buddy? Uh, all around angling. Hey, what's going on? Chris, how are you? I'm seeing people pop in left and right. Very cool. Um, all right, today we're going to talk ponds with Mr. James Dockery. James has a lot of experience in ponds, being he has some on, uh, has access to some, uh, has experience with them, uh, building them, uh, fishing them, maintaining them, all that good stuff. So we're going to dive a little bit into that. Um, you down for that, James? Yes, sir, I am. Excellent. Uh, let's see, Ace Catfishing. Brandon, what's up, buddy? How are you? Um, hey, D, if you could post... Uh, uh, James's link on there for me, or anybody who's uh, a mod can post a link to James's channel. That'd be great. If you are not, uh, hey, Squirrel, what's going on? If you're not subbed to his channel, please check it out. Give him a sub. Uh, let, let's get James a lot of as many subs as we can. I know there's a lot of people that are in here that uh, are probably already subbed to him, but that doesn't mean we can't get him a few more. Um, all right, James. So, uh, pond fishing. Um, basically, uh, let's start from the beginning. What what makes a good pond? There's there's so much into making a pond good. I mean, you just you can't really just actually dig a hole and dam it up and, and expect it to be great. I mean, you've you've got to maintain it. Owning a pond is is a lot of work actually. Uh, from the type of fish you're going to put in there to you know the structure that you're going to put in there, and even you know the 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 bait that these other fish are going to be going after, you have to maintain that all the time. So you, there's there's no such thing as a, you know, build it, perfect pond, move on. It's, you've got to keep working at them and, and all that other stuff. All right, when you're looking to, to, to put a pond in or when you're looking at a pre-existing one, whatever it is, um, besides just looking for a spot that you think is going to hold water, what, what are you looking for? Uh, a lot of the ponds uh, that farmers uh, build are usually for, um, one, either they're going to water, uh, their cattle out of it. They've got a water trough down at the base of it. Uh, erosion control is probably your biggest reason to build a pond, you know, and where the pond is, you know, you, you can't have it too low or it's going to, you know, all that erosion is going to just silt your pond in and, 
it's not real, you know, you're just wasted your money. Um, but you want it to be sure, you know, to be able to be sure that you've got enough clay under the ground when you're starting to move all the dirt and stuff like that to build up your dam over mm-hmm. time. And where you think, oh man, this is going to be an awesome, uh, you know, five acre, you know, pond when you're done with it ends up being only an acre by the time you get your dam finished and the water starts filling up inside of it. So. Okay. Now, now is it some, do you just, I know it's, it's obviously more complicated than this, but um, how, how do you get it to hold water? I mean, do you have the clay. to in, you, you have to get to you get down to the clay, and that's when it starts holding water. Right. Yeah. the The clay itself is what actually makes it hold the water. Um, and most of your your dam structures will leak. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter what you do to them. Uh, there, you know, there are some that you you know claim you can put chemicals and stuff like that that'll seal the dams up and stuff. That's not true. I mean, they're they're going to leak. They're going to drain down. Um, you know, you just and you know you have if you've got cattle that run through the there, they can stomp a, a dam down in a heartbeat. If you've got muskrats, uh, beavers, I mean, all these different animals will, you know, destroy a pond in a heartbeat. All right, so that that that's. Makes a lot of sense. I, I've I've read um, in looking into this stuff in the past. A lot of people will bring in like foreign materials and stuff. I forget what this stuff's to call it. They they'll actually truck in and they'll shoot it all along. Um, but I know a lot of people do that. I didn't realize that you could just get down to the clay and hopefully it'll it, it, it'll hold for the most part. Uh, which is kind of interesting. When, when, and and when you're planting one, are you just digging out a bowl or do you are you actually like terraforming it, building contour lines and things like that? Do you need to take all that into consideration? It depends on on the the land itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we've got one here that uh, when we when they were building it, um, this one is a really old pond, so they built the dam up high enough that it actually backed up into the, some existing trees. Mm-hmm. It's, that was that was going to be part of the pond anyway. They just you know they didn't realize it at the time, and once it completely filled up, well, the trees were in it, and by then there's really nothing you can do. So you know, but for the most part, you're you're scraping down. You're you know you're going down to a certain depth, uh, depending on you know the level of clay and stuff like that. You know, and sometimes you can do a sample, uh, a soil sample. And have a guy, you know, the guys come out and drill down and see exactly how far down it is you until you get to the, you know, the rock bed or if it's solid clay all the way down. Like I said, there's there's just there's a lot to it, you know, than just digging a hole. You know, there uh, around here, um, most of the time the USDA will help you pay for a pond. Uh, they'll probably they, they pay a certain amount depending on, you know. The, the amount of erosion that you have on your land. And if they're trying to get the the erosion to stop, um, they'll pay a certain, you know, percentage and you have to pay a, pay a certain percentage, but you have to fence it all off, uh, keep cattle out of it, the whole nine yards. Plus you can't cut any trees down or anything like that, or bulldoze any trees down after a, or, after April 1st. So all of your trees that are around this pond or where you're going to build this pond, if there's any trees in there, you can't cut them trees down because of the bat population. Because so of the what? I'm sorry. The bat population. 
Okay. So because the, the, the brown bats and stuff like that that we have here in Missouri, the shag bark hickories, they'll get up underneath, and that's where they, they'll home for the, the summer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're endangered, so you've got to take care of those guys also. And that's just before or after April 1st, right? So, like, the following year, if you if you need to take something, you can, right? Right. Well, up until April 1st, you know, you can cut all the trees down because the – the survey is, is, you know, the bats don't, won't migrate up this way until after April 1st. So that's the cutoff deadline. So if you've got a, a pond that you're going to be building and stuff like that, you want all those trees out of there before April 1st, gotcha. or at least cut down so that you can go in there and, you know, and start digging. Uh, yeah, I noticed it uh, a lot of times when I've had access. Well, we had our camper up in Wisconsin for a while, and uh, there was a pond there, and that pond used to be like a magnet for bats. So I imagine they... That, that that's a good sign that you know they're they're eating bugs and stuff whatever yeah. but i imagine they attract them correct me if i'm wrong no that's that's that it's you know aquatic life you know there's all kinds of bugs and stuff like that to get you know swarmed up by birds or mm-hmm. fish or you know something playing in the water and these bats will go up there and it's it's almost like a street light but you know every time you look at a street light there's you know a couple of bats flying around there they yep. understand, you know, this is this is an area that has got a lot of insects that I can go eat. Man, most of the time it's mosquitoes. So good for them. Yeah, we, 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 there was always a bunch of bats out there. Everybody get all freaked out about. And I'm like, leave them be They're They're doing good. Yep. Uh, real quick. Let's see who else. Oh, we got a bunch of people in here in chat. Let's hopefully I won't miss anybody. Uh, I think I said hello, Brandon. Hey, Avid. How are you? Uh, Brian Outdoors. Uh, Buckeye, I think I might have said hello to you already. I uh, just want to make sure. Squirrel, what's up, buddy? How are you? Miss Paula Smith, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, great outdoors exploring. Hey, Sean, what's up, buddy? Uh, Kentucky Catfishing's in the house. What's going on, Cody? Uh, LG Bass, hello. Uh, Mike Turner, what's up, buddy? Uh, Robert over at uh, Missouri Creek Fishing, he's got a channel that's going to be coming up. Uh, he does a lot of cool stuff out of a canoe. Um, that, that, that'll be a good good channel to check out mo hey what's going on um mo homesteading uh one ton fishing hey art uh pa catfish seeker what's going on robert james how are you uh skip i did say hello so uh just want to make sure i don't uh miss anybody because i'm really happy to have everybody in here uh all right if anybody has any question for james during the day or during the conversation uh make sure to uh Point it out to me with whatever characters at the front of the at the front of the question. It'll help me to see it. So, all right. So uh, uh, we got the whole Doug. What's the next step? What's what's how do you how are you filling these ponds? Just rainwater. Letting the rainwater. you know for, yeah for the most part where you're building the pond is just a natural runoff from where you know a field is or something like that. And in an average year, you can fill your pond up four times. Just with okay. rainwater itself. I mean, if it's, you know, if we get a good, decent amount of rain and the the slope on the, the sides of the hills and stuff like that, where you're usually putting these ponds, it's going to fill up pretty quick. But if it's on a flat surface, it's not going to fill as, as fast as others. So As others. Okay. Right. That makes sense. <clears throat> A lot of the times, it's it's the location of the pond itself is determined exactly uh, how how many or how long how it's going to take. Yeah, how it's being yeah how it's being yep. fed, whether or not so. And the rain. Um, yep. Yep. 
All right, now, um, all right. So we got it filled. Now, now, I'm guessing you want to put some plants in there, right? You, nope. you got to start. No, you don't do that. No. All right. No, this is why I have you on the show. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, um, once you get the, the pond built and it's you know it filled up, you want to give it oh a little bit of time anyway for the 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 water to clear up, settle down just a little bit, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it, then you can start, you know, like here in Missouri, you can contact a uh, Missouri Department of Conservation um, and they will help you stock your pond. Now, the rumor is that, you know, you have to let the public, you know, if they help you, the public gets to go in there and fish that pond and all that. That's not true. You still have, you know, say as to who goes on your property and all this other stuff. So, I mean, and they'll stock it with catfish, bass and bluegill. Um and and yeah, uh, they. I'm not sure about the trout. Uh, sometimes they will, but if that if that's the case, then you actually do have to let the public go in there and 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 fish. But I haven't heard of anybody actually, you know, doing that part. Okay, but you're, also, you're, trout's a different animal too. You got to have a yeah. certain kind of you got to have a certain kind of pond actually, or or place for them to live in. I imagine it's not an easy one to build. Right. But when you're also stocking your pond, when you're first stocking it, um, you, you know, you, you need to stock it for what you're going to fish it. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're a big bass fisherman, then you're going to want to put bass in there and bluegill. Uh, you're going to want to get shiners and bait fish that those those other, you know, the bass itself will chase those around and eat. So, you know, you're starting out with, you know, your your bluegill, um, flathead minnows, you know, and eventually over time, you know, your muscles will, uh, your freshwater muscles and stuff like that will start to develop in the pond. And that gives them something to eat right along with the, the bugs and, and all that stuff. But for the most part, any pond that you build and you stock, you might as well plan on feeding every fish in there for the first year. Okay. That way it gets it, you know, time to you know, establish itself. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Now, I know a lot of people they use like, well, they use feeders right in their ponds and stuff. Um, and a lot of people they'll go out and they'll buy you know bags or minnows by the pound, correct? Yep. yep. And they'll get in there. Is that just basically to get them started, or is that something you have to keep up on? We now we will keep up on them. Uh-huh. Um, some of you have seen the the video of me crappie fishing and then one of my ponds down here. And what we've done was every year we'll go down and buy about two pounds of uh, flathead minnows. Okay. And people are like, well, that's not very many. That's actually quite a bit, you know, and you're, you're dumping these uh, flathead minnows inside the pond just for the bass and the crappie and even the bluegill, the catfish, all those fish in there are going to eat those. <clears throat> and it's actually cheaper in the long run to do that than to keep buying bags of feed to go out down every single night and throw out, you know, two or three big cups of feed for them. Mm-hmm. All right. Mo, Mo was asking, um, I'm sure if you contact him through Facebook, he'll, he'll be more than happy to give you links to whatever he knows. Jim, James is a pretty yeah. knowledgeable guy when it comes to his state. And I know you guys are in the same state. So I imagine you guys should probably hook up on that. Um, and Chad asked if there's shovelhead minnows. No, I think he said fathead minnows, Chad. Correct? Yeah. Are they flathead? Are... No, they're fathead. Fatheads, that's right. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, 
very cool. So, um, now you 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 call the uh, the state. They come out. They stock. What other options do you have? Um, what what kind of costs? I'm not, I'm not looking for exact numbers, but let's say I wanted to have a crappie pond. Um, and obviously that wasn't in the list of the fish that you had mentioned that the state's going to help you out with. Uh, what, what kind of costs are we looking at for something like that? Depending on what, what we have fish farms around here where they sit, they'll sell, you know, the flathead minnows. They'll sell the uh, white crappie, the black crappie, bass. They'll sell hybrid bluegill, uh, channel cats, that kind of stuff. And depending on the size of the fish that you are wanting to stock, is going to be the cost. Some of them range anywhere from, oh, you know, 75 cents a piece all the way up to three or four dollars a piece, just depending okay. on how big and what kind of fish you're actually wanting to put in there. But on, you know, if you're, you know, wanting to go the cheap route and stuff like that, you're usually stocking six to eight inch channel cats, the same with bass and hybrid bluegill. They just, they send a variety of mixed kind of those. And along okay. with crappie, crappie are six to about six to eight inches. Also, oh, they're actually that big when you when you get them. Yeah, sometimes oh, you yeah, sometimes you can get them that big. Wow, so. I was I was catching them like that today out of a pond myself. <laughs> that was that was pretty much it. I don't think they were just stockers, man. And uh, uh, that was interesting. That was a cool day. Um, uh, very cool. Uh, you had mentioned catfish, obviously. Now now bass. You didn't mention bass. Um, bass are pretty aggressive and I, I know they'll they'll go they, i imagine they go through a lot same with channel cats through a lot of feeder fish and such so uh, can right. you feed can you feed bass pellets or is that just when they're younger no that's actually they'll i mean a bass is is pretty carnivorous i mean it'll eat anything and everything i mean yeah. you know some of us have, have you know for years have been smokers you'll flip a cigarette butt out into the water a bass will hit that in a pond you know, and sometimes even in a lake. Um, mm -hmm. And yes, Paula, we, we stock all of our, our ponds with fish. Um, the only one that we don't have that's stocked with fish has nothing but crawdads in it. And that's just because that's all we wanted in there. So, um, but, uh, but no, a bass will pretty much eat just about anything. And bluegill will eat those same, uh, those same pellets. It's like having, I mean, it, We've all had aquariums over the years, you mm -hmm. know, and eventually those fish get trained, you know, in their heads that when you walk up to that aquarium, they see you and they know, OK, it's food time. Well, it's the same thing with the pond. You know, if you take the, you know, a four wheel or a side by side or your farm truck down to this pond every night at the exact same time, you literally can watch the water as they, you know, they can hear, you know, the feel the vibration and they can almost, you know, hear that muffled yep. sound in the water and they'll start, you'll see them start coming up and start boiling on the top of the water because they know it's feeding time. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen those videos where the guys go driving by with a big bag of feed and, and, and they, they just go kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, they, you can train fish just the same way you do, you know, any other animal. Yeah, you're not going to get any, you know, well, except, except for Chad. Chad, you can't train, so. This is true. Uh, Dee's trying, though. She's, she's I know. She, she, bless her heart. She really and truly is. If anybody can do it, Dee can. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually heard a, a news story today about uh, some guy in uh, Japan who trained his beta fish, you know, those, those, those fighting fish, yeah. how to play a Nintendo game. 
<laughs> he actually got him to do it, so they actually play. Uh, that sounds now, like somebody's got too much time on their hands to me. Yeah, either that. I think the guy's got a YouTube channel, so he did it for his channel, uh, yep. which is understandable. We won't. We don't know anything about any of that stuff, do we? No. 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 All right. Uh, Creel asked, "Is it feasible to put blue cats in a pond?" Depends on how big your pond is. Honestly, and it really and truly is. Um, the worst, some of the worst fish that you can actually put in just flat out stock into a pond are the fish that you catch out of the wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you will you will ruin a, a pond in a heartbeat. Say you go down, you know, and you catch a bunch of creel sized fish. And the reason why I say this is because you know all his fish that he caught for the tournament were only liberty. Yeah. But he goes and he throws those into a you know a pond. Well, those those fish aren't sterile. When you buy your catfish from these fish farms and stuff like that, they're sterile for the most part. Really, they're, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're they're either sterile or they're males. Okay. So there there is no reproducing them. And if you oh. go to you know it's like um, somebody's pond and they've got oh that about. You about had that's yourself a good chair. There. I got to fix that chair. I think, that's, I think that's twice you've done that. But anyway, yeah. you go to a pond and you're catching a whole bunch of, you know, little catfish, you know, about, oh, probably six to eight inches long. Mm-hmm. And that pond has been there for, you know, 20, 30 years. Well, that's because somebody threw some wild catfish in there, whether it's channels, whether it's blues, you know, or even flathead for that matter, down in there. And they've spawned. And they'll just keep spawning and they'll keep spawning and they'll keep spawning. And pretty soon you are so overpopulated with the small, you know, big headed catfish with really tiny, thin bodies because they don't get enough to eat uh-huh. inside these ponds because they're too overpopulated. Same thing with bass. Same thing with uh, green sunfish. Green sunfish is another one that you, you know, unless you have a pond set up strictly for green sunfish, you know, a green sunfish will destroy crappie beds. They'll destroy bluegill, you, bass. You know, they're they're aggressive. We we have a pond here where I get my green sunfish from, or where I go for, fishing for green sunfish. And uh, that I during the, when they're spawning, James, you you think you could walk on them? It it's oh, yeah yeah. I, you know, I'll try and get a video of it this spring. Uh, at, well, after winter in the spring when it happens, usually late spring around here. But it, it's incredible. You see all those little orange tails are the fins up in the air and they're in the shallows and they don't get any bigger than literally maybe four inches big. That's it. That's all the go. And I we have have a pond. We have a pond here. That's, that's all that's in there is green sunfish. And the only reason that we've got it is because we had a winter kill um, at this pond and we didn't catch it in, in enough time. And once they take over, that's it. They're, I mean, they're, you're going to have to put something big in there, predator-wise, mm-hmm. to go through and, and eat all of these things. So, yeah, let, let's see if uh, I see we got a couple of new names. I saw Anna pop up, little buckets of sunshine. How are you? Uh, let's see who else we got in the room here. Participants. Uh, little buckets of sunshine. Matthew Baker, what's up, my friend? LG Bass, uh, welcome. I think I caught you on the last one, so I want to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Uh, thanks for coming by. <clears throat> All right, now I know I, you, you, you're always hearing somebody talk about. Well, I, I put this big flathead in this pond, and such and such, or I put a big pike in this pond. And that you get those predators in there. Um, 
is that pretty much is how how does how does that how greatly does that impact any body of water when somebody does something like that? Anytime you you know if you say you've got a pond that it's been you know that's been established for say you know 10, 15 years, and mm-hmm. you go and you start throwing you know and, and again wild caught fish wild caught fish is the downfall of any pond. I don't care if it's you know catfish you know, bluegill, bass, whatever, you don't know what you're introducing into that pond by bringing those fish, you know, from the wild into your pond. You know, they could have, you know, some sort of a disease or parasite that's not in your pond. And next thing you know, your pond is overrun with, you know, parasitic fish. And, you know, and I'm sure we've all gone, you know, bluegill fishing and, you know, you cut open that bluegill and you lay that fillet over and it's filled with those little yellow grubs that's all in the meat. Well, that's, ah. you know, that is a sign, you know, if there's a ton of them, that's, you know, that's another sign of overpopulating. It, it's just the parasites get in there. You know, the, this is the first year at my channel cat, one of my channel cat spots that I'm seeing that, especially it was early this year. I saw a lot of those little worms, you know, they have under their skin and stuff. And this mm-hmm. is the first year I'm seeing them. Maybe, I don't know if they're overpopulating or, or, or what's going on in this spot. I think it's, I don't know, like a, it's, it's either 16 or 60 acres. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you the difference. It kind of wraps around, but um I even saw that this week when I got out. I saw it on a couple of channel cats. I'm not used to seeing that. Somebody told me you can cook that stuff out, but I don't you, know. You can. I mean, and the, even the conservation department will tell you, you know, it, it it looks gross, but you can still eat it. You know, you, you yeah. put it inside 350 degree hot grease, it, it's going to die, you know. Um, but if you're actually worried about it, you know, uh, contact your DNR. You know, if you catch a really, you know, bad you know wormy fish or something like that especially a channel cat or something go and talk to you know the dnr and find out what you know they can tell you about it they they'll have more information than than anybody else and that may be a problem that they're not aware of yet yeah this is a this is a city-run property so i'd have to ask somebody about it the the guy down at the local bait shop and stuff he's not real helpful with any of that stuff but it's such interesting i know they stock the pond every year um like last year they put like 500 walleyes in there they they don't stock it with catfish or or bass but they've been doing a lot of walleye they do they put i think like 50 tiger muskie in there and i I think that's the biologist trying to balance stuff out yeah i've caught and it's not that big a pond which is surprised all the muskie and all the pike i catch out of there they're you know they're like you know they're the snakes you know what i mean they're 24 yep. inches long and and about you know like a bananas two bananas around so yep. um hello olive how are you i guess uh palmetto's out camping today so uh and i was was in there talking about it's just her and olive um all right cool uh, let's see if we got any other questions here rattle trap fishing hey what's going on buddy um all right so uh how how long before you you get to fish the pond you can actually start fishing it, uh, you know, that same later that fall or something like that. But you're going to want to throw everything back. I mean, your your catfish is really not going to get, you know, all that big right off the bat. And you want that, that pond ex- established. You know, you want mm-hmm. them fish to be, you know, to go and go, okay, this is my home. You want to make sure that there's, you know, decent structure in there, whether it's, you know, some sort of a, a, a small cedar tree 
uh, rocks, a fallen tree, you know, oak tree, something like that, where them fish can get up in through there and feel comfortable enough, you know, that they're going to stick around in through there. Um, but it, the, the following year, you could actually start fishing it after, I would say after the, the spawn is when you're, you know, mm-hmm. you typically can. But for the most Which part with sense. us, uh, what we usually do um, is after we build a pond, we'll, we'll wait five years. You know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll feed them. We'll make sure that they're going good and strong, stuff like that. Yeah, we'll, we can go down. We'll go down and we'll catch them, but we're throwing everything back. We're throwing, I mean, the channel cat, we're throwing the crappie, we're throwing the bluegill, you know, everything back. And in that five-year period, you can you can kind of judge whether, you know, the pond is, is getting healthy, whether it's, you know, needs, you know, more structure, less structure, stuff like that. So... No, the, the the our ponds up here are not checked by DNR, not private They're ponds. Not no, oh. no, not unless you and let. Well, I mean, if you've got some sort of a, a problem, uh, you've got you know moss or weeds that have come in, they can come. You know, you can invite them out and you know and look at it and go, okay, look, you know, here here's what I've got. You know, this is you know a sample of the fish that have come out of there, and they'll be able to point you in the right direction as far as okay, you need to remove, you know, X amount of uh, fish, you know, a certain a bass or bluegill or uh, channel cat or something like that out of there. And if it's overpopulated with weeds and stuff like that, they can either, I'm not a big fan of the chemicals, but they can, they can point you in the right directions to use chemicals mm-hmm. and how much to use on these ponds to clear them up. Okay. Now, are any of your ponds aerated? No. No. no okay. No. But people people do that pretty much just to keep the weeds down, right? The duck, the duckweed, and all of that stuff. Uh, for the most part, those are decorative ponds. I mean, uh, oh, they are. Yeah, those those are. I mean, they'll build them, and you know, people will throw some fish in there and stuff like that. But for the most part, anytime you see you know the ponds that have got the big fountains coming out of them and stuff oh, yeah. like that, that's you know that's well, what I consider aerated. That, well, they I've seen. Well, I have a couple ponds over here that are actually pretty productive that have aerators in them. Um, I don't know if that's why they're they're productive, but I, it would be odd odd not to have a decorative feature in that in the subdivision. If you know what I mean, it's you can barely see it from the road or or from when you walk around, but they're in there. So yeah, see, I, I I do not know any around here that have have got any type of an aerator system, unless mm-hmm. it's a, a koi or a gold goldfish pond. So yeah. right, and for those, I mean, you want to make sure that any. Uh, koi pond or goldfish pond or whatever, any of those that you build, you want to make sure that if that if something happens and you know the dam breaks on it or something like that, that those fish will end up in a field before they end up in a creek or you know, a, a river or another body of water that's public. I mean, look at the Asian carp, you know, how yeah. fast it took over. People are catching, you know, koi left and right, you know, in public waters because you know, people buy them for their fish tanks and think, oh, well, you know, those are pretty, those are cool. And then six months down the road, they've gotten too big for their little aquarium. So they dump them into a, you know, a pond to set them free so they can have a better life. And it, you know, it'll destroy, uh, a, you know, a city lake also. It backfires on a lot of people. You, you yes, hear about does. all of those stories. So. Yeah. Um, just saying hello to a couple of people. Uh, you you got to, you have, um, I know you have a couple of, 
crappie ponds or at least one that I see catch crappies out of there. Now, uh, so are those are hybrids that you have in there, or uh, no, are those, those actual are, breeders? Those are those are breeding uh, crappie. Those okay. Yeah, no the the hybrids that I was talking about are hybrid bluegill. Bluegill. Okay. It is a it's a cross between a green sunfish and a regular bluegill. And mm-hmm. some of them get massive. You know, I've seen some that, you know, supposedly weigh up to four pounds and, and stuff like that. I've never caught any, you know, that are that big any or even remotely that big. I think the biggest I've seen was maybe a pound, pound and a half. That's, so, that's a big <laughs> Yeah, that's still a big bluegill. But I mean, but these are these are hybrids. So. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the, you know, I've, I've yet to catch, you know, what people call striped nose crappie or and, and, and I believe the correct name is Magnolia. And yeah. that's a hybrid and they don't reproduce, which is probably why they're so hard to catch. See, and I, I've caught some different patterned fish. Mm-hmm. But I think it's – I don't necessarily think that there are different species of crappie. I think that it's just their markings. I mm-hmm. mean, because I've, I've caught, you know, crappie up here uh, in, like, uh, Lake Show Me over in, in Memphis or down at Thomas Hill, something like that. And, they've you know, some of them have got the, the straight black line right down their nose. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them are, I mean, almost white. I mean, you can't even see any patterns on their sides. They're just, you know – and a lot of that, you know, has to do with the water clarity. So there's it's there's not really any definite, you know, say that I've seen or read about as to okay, this is a a black crappie, this is a white crappie, this is a striped crappie, this is you know where they're doing that. Well, stuff you know, the, the 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 article that I I kind of was reading this was directly from University of. Um, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi University, something like that, where they actually had the breeding program down there where they created those striped nose, those magnolia crappies, which is why I brought them up. Because I, I see them, you know, and I don't know, you know, the ones that are caught in the wild, chances of someone having released, you know, non-breeding, because they're, they're, they're sterile. They don't, they, they don't breed. They're for people to put in their ponds specifically Pond. so they don't overrun their ponds. Because you know, a crappie, if you're not harvesting them, you're going to have problems with them, from what I understand. Am I correct? Yeah, but that's, but you, you will, but that's with any fish. I mean, uh-huh. unless, you know, with bass, I don't know how many times, you know, we will travel somewhere and you go to, you know, somebody's pond, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's tons of bass in there and they're all, you know, four or five pound bass and you go there and they're all 12 inch fish or 12 inch bass that have got these massive heads on them and these little bitty tiny skinny bodies it's because they're overpopulated you know and it's literally one cast rod after the other and people don't realize at a certain point you have to harvest fish out of these ponds Mm -hmm. or they will get overpopulated so i mean depending on how big your your pond is you know you're you're gonna have to take a hundred uh you know all the way up to 400 fish out of these ponds per year. That's Boy, a big responsibility. Get, that's a lot of it, fish. Yeah. You know, and that's just it. Like I said, it's not just building a pond and, and going, Hey, look, I've got this pond behind my house. You know, you're the, you know, you're, you're wanting to make sure that you've got the right amount of structure in there, depending on what kind of fish you've got. Like, you know, the one that I fished in the other day, uh, if you go and you cut, say, one of the, the cedar trees down and you don't want a big, massive one, you know, we're talking five, maybe six feet, probably this big around, perfect size for a, mm-hmm. a brush pile. 
Um, you throw that down in there. Well, in about five years, that's going to be nothing but one big giant stick. All yeah. the smaller yeah. limbs have you know broken off. All the covers gone. All that stuff. You're going to have to replace that. Replace it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know, and yeah, you can you can buy the artificial uh, fiberglass ones, but I I don't think those work as well as the real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Give them give them what they like. You know, it's kind of like matching a hatch, match their houses yep. to what they would have in the wild. That that's kind of what I would do. And plus, it's a heck of a lot cheaper to cut down. You know whatever brush you want to throw in there than it is to go out and buy the PVC, even if you're making your own. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, we've got, you know, just right out my back door, I can go out there with a chainsaw. I can cut, you know, 20 of them in about five minutes. And Before last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and a couple of years ago, uh, we worked with the conservation department where we cut 75 of our biggest ones that we had here that were about, uh, probably seven, maybe eight feet long. Um, and we took them up to a city lake, and then the conservation department took them from out from there, and they sank them out in the lake for crappie habitat because there was nothing there. So mm-hmm. you know, it's you have to maintain you know even the city lakes, you know the state lakes, all that stuff. They have to be maintained, or you know your 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 fishing is not going to be all that great. Well, in that one spot that I talked about earlier, the the fish I'm catching, and it's kind of. You know the the issue with the um, with the bugs or the the worms that I was finding in the spring and and the fish I was catching this week they're just like they're awfully skinny, and I don't know if it's because um, the the couple of spots were under construction so there wasn't access to the body of water to actually fish all summer. I'm kind of surprised it'll be interesting what happens you know over the winter and and what they look like in the spring this year. But there there were I, sh- I should have kept the 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 four I caught this week. I don't know why I did. Now just being lazy. But now that you mention that, that's exactly what they look like. I'll send you some pictures afterwards. The the heads are, you know, granted, it was only like a, I don't know, maybe two pounds at the most. But the head was definitely bigger. It looked like a golf tee almost. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. like I said, anytime that you get, I mean, and we've all, I mean, we've all fished enough that we know, you know, uh, a two-pound bass should have, you know, a, a matching body to mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and decent color and all this stuff. Uh, you can you can just tell by looking at them if they're if they're stunted mm-hmm. and if they're stunted and it's your 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 pond. Well, you know, it's your responsibility to pull these out and whether you lay them out, whether you, you know, you cook them up or you throw them over the, the pond dam for the critters, you know, the coons mm-hmm. and the skunks and everything else to eat. That's you know, that's on you. But a lot of times People fish, you know, private ponds that they don't own, and they're still running into these same problems. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a there's a fine balance. I mean, you've got to talk to the the landowner if you see this problem, and they may work with you, they may not work with you. So I I, I fish tend to fish mainly my ponds if I'm in a pond fish. Which makes sense. You, you you have to from the sound of yep. it, right? If you yep. don't, you're going to have issues, and then those issues sound like they take a lot of work and money to rectify, if, if yes. anything, right? That's the last thing you want. Lots and uh, lots I of fishing. I see Jason Lamb in the house, and I see Jigging with Jake. What's going on, Jake? What's going on, Jason? Uh, I was serious, Jake, about coming down and visit you to fish. I need to get that blue. I'll, I'll send you a message this week, buddy. So hopefully we can get that done. 
uh, let's see who else we got in there. I think I got everybody here. Thanks everybody for watching. All right. So we kind of, um, is there anything else that, that you need to take into consideration when owning a pond? Or when uh, creating insurance. insurance. All right. There's, good I mean, point. especially, I mean, if, if you, it's, it's just like any other property. I mean, somebody gets hurt on your property, somebody, you know, that, that falls back on you. So mm-hmm. that's in, most of the time, you know, people can spot your pond from a, a highway. Well, if it's a good, decent pond and people have heard rumors and all this other stuff or seen pictures that you've posted online and that they'll sneak in there and fish a pond, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, they're going in there. in there. And, you know, so that's that's another thing that you you know are going to have to keep track of. So and that's where uh Trail cams are nice. You know, you you can actually see who's going in and out of your ponds and dogs and are nice. Like dogs are really really nice. <laughs> I imagine it's kind of like having a pool here in the city or in, in in an urban area where you know there's certain requirements that your insurance wants you to have, like you have to have locked gates or some 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 towns you ha- you actually have to have a a fence that's X high. Sometimes you got to have a fence that's directly around your swimming pool, stuff like that. I imagine there's other stuff that you need to do just to meet your insurance requirements and able to yeah. do that. So. so, yeah, that's definitely something you need to take in, into consideration. So that's all great information. All right, let, let's get down to the fun stuff: fishing ponds. How do you go about finding a good pond? How do you go about talking to your friendly neighborhood farmer? Um, what kind of, and let's start at the beginning. Let's say you're going down the road and you see a pond that you really want to fish. Is that something that you want to approach, you know, the property owner? Is there a way to do it so you don't piss them off? Obviously, you don't want to go in there on your own. Um, do you offer some thing in trade like labor? How, how do you do something like that? For the, the most part, and this is, and I explained this to my kids when they were growing up. Um, is respect. All right, a lot of these. Yeah, I know, but Katie's looking out the back door, and she's got the gun, so I'm I'm sure that he's not there. Uh, but no, the respect goes a long way. Most of these people, the elderly farmers and stuff like that, you know, if you can find out who owns the pond, you know, say it's it's uh mr and mrs smith well you walk up there and you knock on that door start with that hello mr and mrs smith i'm you know so and so and and you know i was wondering if you could you know if i could fish this pond the respect factor right there opens so many gates it's not even funny and you know it it really and truly does they you know they put their time in of of, you know calling people ma'am and sir and and all this stuff and this younger generation you know if they ever catch on to that they'll They'll open a lot of you know doors for them to, to do that. Um, my my kids have got so much permission, you know, so much land, you know, uh, that they can hunt and trap and uh, fish on and stuff like that. There's no way that they could even in a month's time that those kids could hit every single pond mm-hmm. that they have. And it was all because, you know, they went up and they showed these landowners respect, you know, whether it's picking up, you know, if they do get permission to fish a pond. It's, you know, making sure all the trash is picked up. Even if the guy, you know, right ahead of you is throwing trash down, pick his trash up. Make sure all the gates are closed. If you notice a, you know, a problem with the fence. Yeah, that's or, a problem. Uh, Close those gates. Like that. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, and, and let the farmers know. If you see a problem, you know, you go up there and you tell them, you know, and if you can fix it, fix it. 
you know, and, and just let them know, hey, look, you know what? I was out there, I was fishing this pond. I noticed that the, you know, the gate was halfway off. Um, you know, I, I tied it back up the best I could with some of the stuff I had, you know, giving you a heads up, you know, something for, to look at. And chances, like I said, a lot of these guys, if you help them out, you know, and you're respectful to them, they're going, you know, they're going to give you the permission that you, that you need. And not only that, if, you know, it's, if you're catching fish, ask them, you know, Hey, how many fish, you know, and you know, if this is for me to eat, how many fish, you know, will you allow me to take home? And more importantly, how many, you know, if, do you want any and offer to, to, to clean them for them to where they don't have to do any of that mess. All they've got to do is, is throw it in the pan and eat it. You know, some of these farmers, they'll be grateful enough just for that. So Bring some muffins or some donuts. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's just, you know, but, uh, but no, to answer Anna's question, um, on private water, you do not have to, uh, have any type of permission or anything like that to drop uh, Christmas trees and stuff like that in the water on most of your public waters though, usually like the conservation department will accept tree donations after Christmas and they're going to use those for brush piles and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Where it gets complicated is, is you've got people that will go out and sink their own that they don't want anybody else knowing about it. And next thing you know, you know, your your favorite fishing dock that you're fishing from has got so much brush around it that you can't fish it anymore. It's all, you know, it's all falling in and stuff like that. Uh, down at uh, Thomas Hill is a, a great example of that. It's a coal fire plant that, you know, usually in January and February, it's uh, the ice is either not thick enough to get on, you know, and it's all open water down there. And it's usually about 55, 56 degrees, which is actually perfect spawning time for crappie. But when you go down there and fish from the bank or the, the MDC dock they have down there, there's so much brush pile stacked on top of each other because none of those guys coordinate with each other or MDC. They're just dropping it over the side. So you're constantly losing, you know, your your rigs and stuff and snacks. So work with the conservation department or your DNR. That's the best I can tell you to do right there is talk to the DNR. I don't realize you know, some people don't want to do it, but trust me, once you start talking to them, once you start working with them, you're, it, it goes a lot better. And, you know, in a lot of urban ponds and stuff, HOAs run that show. You might want yeah. to talk to them or not. Um, getting anything done with an HOA is a nightmare, so just so you know, but you, you should ask them because someone's going to see you doing that and it's going to cause you all sorts of problems, so... Then again, there's that school of thought where it's easier to ask for forgiveness, but we won't go to that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> everybody has some reasons. You know, usually um, I know a lot of the ponds out here, are, it's a totally different um, scenario than, than what you're used to, James. But uh, um, there's pond management companies that come out. If you're driving around during the week, I'll see them out there doing whatever maintenance they're doing to these ponds. And you can swing by and ask them, say, hey, is it okay to fish? What's in here? Where do I want to look? Things like that. And they'll give you some information that's like in, it, it's it's so worth just stopping and, and talking to them. They're 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 you know running around there, whether it's with their dogs checking out uh chasing geese off the ponds and stuff, or or just you know making sure that the um discharges are open, stuff like that. They're always willing to give you some info. So there's my yeah. hot tip yeah. of the day for pond fishing. There you go. Oh. But uh you know, like here in Missouri, um 
starting November 1st, they're going to start putting hatchery uh, raised trout in city lakes. Now, mm-hmm. we're, I mean, we're talking small ones. We're talking, you know, the, not so large, but I mean, they're big enough anyway. Um, some of them, some of the trout are up to, I think, 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. The, 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 the cool thing about this is um, when you buy your trout stamp, that's what that money goes to. You know, yep. and some of these, some of these, you know, uh, bigger city kids and stuff like that, they'll never get a chance to go down and, you know, and actually fish for wild trout or anything like that. So that's a variety that, you know, comes around once a year that mm-hmm. they're going to be able to hook into. So that's another one of those, you know, and they're, they'll survive all the way till, Oh, probably the end of May when the water starts to heat up enough that they'll mm-hmm. they'll die out. But by then, most of them, as you know, most of them are already caught. Yeah, a lot of most of them are caught. Every now and then, we'll get holdovers. The couple of spots that I actually trout fish, well, actually one of them that I trout fish in is an old quarry, and that's like forty-seven feet. So they'll they'll hide out there all winter, and they'll come back in the spring. We'll always get a couple of really big holdovers when it comes there. Yeah, that's if the muskie don't get them. The muskie love trout for some reason; they really do. Uh, yeah. Let's see if we get any questions. Anna, as a comment about HOAs, I agree, which is why I'll never live with the homeowners association. That would be bad. Uh, and she thanked you for some info. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. The, the best thing I can tell you is, you know, if you're going to build you a pond, do mm-hmm. your research. You know, I mean, and like I said, it is not just dig a hole, throw some fish in there that you caught out of the the creek or the river or whatever, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than, than just that, you know, I mean, most, most of the time you're spending, you know, harvesting a lot of these fish throughout the entire year. And what you guys don't see is, you know, I'll, I'll go down there and, and fish, you know, one or two or three of my ponds a week just to bring some of those fish out of there. And whether I'm feeding them, you know, the smaller ones to the cats or the dogs or, you know, we're doing mm-hmm. something, you know, a little bit different with them and stuff like that. It's still maintenance. You know, you're you're cutting trees, you know, tree saplings down that are growing up or, you know, you're you're trying to get rid of invasive cattails because a cattail, you know, once cattails take over, it's so hard to get rid of them. Hmm. And, you know, so you're the best way to do that would be to just get a backhoe and very lightly scrape the bottom of that pond dam to get the, the tubular uh, part of the cattail out, or it's just going to keep growing, you know, and if you bust that in half, well, that, that now becomes two plants, not just one, two. So it just, and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And that's why a lot of people will uh, throw a, or, Throw grass carp and stuff like that inside their ponds, and to try to, no, to try to keep that. No grass carp. Will they actually go after the cattails? Will they eat them? Uh, if they're they're young, the when the uh, cattails are young, they will. Okay. But we've I've seen I've seen grass carp literally beach themselves to sit there and chew at grass on the sides hmm. of the the ponds and the lakes and stuff like that. So they're they're after soft stuff. They're not after the harder stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you catch them young enough, yeah, a, a, a grass carp will uh, get in there and they'll just start, you know, rooting around looking for that stuff and they'll eat it. So, 
Now, well, are they eating other aquatic plants like you know, like the um, hydrate hydrilla and all of those other ones? The, um, they will. Do they go after like the seaweed stuff, or is it basically just around the edges, which is what they're? No, they'll for, right? they'll if you if you have enough grass carp in the in a pond, and again, depending on the size of your pond and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. they'll keep all of the vegetation to the most part. Now, you're always going to have some. You're never going to get rid of all of it completely. Um, but you will, it'll, it'll go a lot better for fishability from the bank because I have seen ponds where you have to cast out five to, to 10 feet to actually hit open water because it's just filled with, you know, cattails, cattails, or, or even weight, yeah. yeah, you know, all different types of hydrilla and stuff like that, or moss or stuff like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, you know, it, it's maintenance. You're always working to keep that pond, you know, fishable. If you're, if you actually enjoy fishing from a pond. Oh, he's talking to Chad. Uh, yeah, I've noticed it a lot in a lot of like the corporate, uh, uh, not corporate, but like the business area ponds. They're they're covered in, in cattails. You can't even get to these ponds. Is that so? That's just them overrunning, or do they plan it that way? No, that's just that's just them overrunning it. Once they come in, right? Um, hey, have you ever seen what a cat the the top of a cattail will do when it's mm-hmm. it's a point? It yeah, literally kind of explodes. Yeah, it'll explode. Well, each one of those fine little fibers in there, well, I mean, you get a good you know 10, 15 mile an hour wind, it's going up, and it's it's you know it it may travel. 500 feet it may travel you know three or four miles in the uh-huh. wind and once it lands in a pond you know if, if something else doesn't come along and eat it real quick well it's going to sink down and it's going to get into the muck and next thing you know it's growing so now you mentioned you had your one pond with the um um uh with the crayfish in there what are you doing with that is that for food or is that for for feed or what uh that is a little bit of bait and plus food Ten plus food, and how big is that pond? If you don't mind me asking, it's maybe a quarter of an acre pond. It's not a very big one. So what no, do you have to feed them? Or they'll eat anything, right? They'll eat anything. I mean, yeah, like all your waste anything. and stuff. Like when you're cleaning right. fish, you can throw the guts out there and everything. That's yep. actually a really good idea. That's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, and you guys have seen the. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen where they've gone out crab fishing and stuff like that, and they'll throw you know fish inside these these crab pots, and they'll lock the door mm-hmm. and they'll throw them out. It's the same thing with, with crawdads. You can do the exact same thing. You can buy these little crawdad traps, and you can hang some fish up in there and cut little slats in that fish to where that blood will get out into the water, and those crawdads will go in there just like those crabs do, and they'll get, you know, they'll get trapped in there, and you pull the trap up. So... I think they're talking about your bait cooler again. You got any crawfish in your bait cooler? You no, got any crawfish no in there? No, 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 no. There's about to be some wax worms here pretty quick, though, because it's getting about to be about that time. So Yeah, yeah it actually is getting to be about that time. I actually thought about stopping to get some wax worms today to put on tips of my jigs rather than crappie nibblers. That usually works good this time of year. But yep. I was actually surprised that they were still taking, you know, the, the big two-inch uh, plastics I was throwing. I was kind of surprised at that. I was getting ready to downsize them and maybe even get some uh, – um, uh, I got some uh, hand tie jigs that I got from a couple of people. I was going to start using that stuff, but they're yeah, still biting. Usually, right around this time every year, I, I'm I'm downsizing. Uh, you know, I'm going to yeah. the smallest jig I can, the smallest line you know that I can, all that stuff. 
to try to get some of these these crappie, you know, to to start hitting. And especially if I'm fishing, you know, the the ponds that are in a like a low lying area. Well, those ponds are going to get cooler faster than the mm-hmm. ones on top of the hill. And you know, and the lakes and stuff like that that we've got around here, um, it's it's about time to start downsizing for them too. Yeah. So we. I guess you, you know, speaking of the, I'm going to call these jigs the winners. They're actually named chicken jigs, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They're real tiny ones. If I come across them, I'll have to send you some. They're really neat and they work really good. They're just like little tiny, stiff, bristled hair jigs. And they're small. They're like, I don't know, like one, uh, let's see, 32nd, probably 164th ounce jigs. Those work pretty good. I'll have to send you some of those. Well, those are pretty good. Now, see, I've got 164-ounce jigs that I can make out there in the shop. Um, and I've got some uh, Arky sells them, and they're one-inch tubes. Now, the, the cool thing is sometimes they'll come right in at an inch, and other times they're a little bit smaller than an inch. They're, mm-hmm. I'm going to say they're three-quarters of an inch, and those are usually you know, what I'll use primarily during the wintertime. And we're talking even for trout fishing and stuff like that is I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm starting small. And if they're biting tremendously, I know, you know, I can go up just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit until they won't bite it anymore. And then I can realize, you know, okay, look, I've got to go right back down just, you know, a couple more sizes. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I'm going to find the bigger of those fish. Now, when you're using those tube jigs, are you using the tube jig weights or are you just putting them on a regular jig head? I just regular jig head. Regular jig head, yeah. I always yep. was wondering about that. I got a bunch of tube jigs and stuff. And in the winter, I'll actually, I'll actually cut them down even a little bit. Cut, cut like half of the, um, half of the little tentacles, whatever you would call them on there. Yep. I'd cut like half of them off. That kind of helps too. And you can also stuff them with waxies. I like to do that too. That kind of helps. Yep. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. Here's your hot tip of the day, people. Our second one. There you go. Good night, Anna. Have a good night. Night, Anna. So what's your favorite pond fish? Favorite pond fish? Uh, I'm going to have to say crappie. Crappie? I have yeah. to agree. And yeah, they'll grow, will they grow? Do you, okay, let's say you got a 10-acre pond and you got a one-acre pond. Are they going to grow bigger in the 10-acre pond than they do the one-acre pond, or is it? It's the same It's the same way as in any lake, any body of water. It doesn't matter if it's a massive body of water or a small. It all depends on their food. If mm-hmm. they have an abundant supply of food and, you know, they're, they're going to grow big. They're going to grow bigger. They're going to grow faster. Uh, if they don't, well, then they're going to be stunted. You know, we the Long Branch. Long Branch has an awesome pop, uh, crappie population. The problem is, is most years the, uh, the shad hatch is so small that these, these crappie won't grow all that much. So on years that they're, you know, that they have a ton of them, well, then they're going to grow, they're going to grow bigger. It's the exact same way with the pond. If you've got enough, uh, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. I I don't make or sell those guys. That was Mark being just Mark. So no, that's new angry face, angry face face sinkers. No, I'm not starting angry face sinkers. The only way I will start angry face sinkers is if Lyle will do the Krampus Cane ice fishing poles. That's it. So you guys have to talk to Lyle on this. 
<laughs> Lyle, only you can make it happen. That's right. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But anyways, um, very cool. All right, well, we're coming up on 8 o'clock here. Does anybody have any questions other than what's already been asked for for Mr. Dockery? We'll give him a few minutes. Yeah. That's all right. That's a good thing. Um, I know a lot of the guys around here, there are a lot of big bass fishing guys that fish the ponds, especially like John B. He uh, cut his teeth on all the ponds over here by my house, actually pretty close. Uh, to where I live, very close to where I live for some of them. Um, <clears throat> that one spot I was telling you about having issues with the catfish and how they're getting uh, um, <laughs> Lyle wants to know if you're as old as you look. Yeah, I, I know. No. <laughs> Definitely not This as is old where you say is. you're not as old as Lyle see, looks, right? See, I come on your show, and, and I go on any show, and, and I try to make it professional as I can. And then I have to put up with Chad, and I have to put up with you know, all these other people. So, and Lyle and yeah, that's all right. It's all good fun. They all, they wouldn't give you crap if they didn't like you. So that's at least yeah, that's I what know. I keep telling myself. I know that's, that's true. Creel, that's true. Creel's asking how many different species uh, that can exist together in a pond. Uh, it just depends on how big your pond is, you know, and if it's a, an apex predator, like a muskie or, something like that, and you throw it into a, a pond that's got nothing but, you know, bluegill and crappie in there and bass, well, it's not going to take him very long, and he's going to start, you know, going and, and chewing on them. Because even a muskie, whether it's hungry or not, you know, and northern pikes are the same way, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll go up and hit something just because it's moving. And yeah. most of the time, they're you know, they'll kill it, and it'll drop to the bottom of the pond or lake. All right, just jigging with jigging with Jake has a question. Uh, it says he fishes a local pond uh, and releases all the crappie he catches. Uh, with the thoughts of protecting the population and to keeping that in mind, uh, it's a five-acre pond. Should I just keep them? Yes, keep them. If it's in within a, a protected limit, you see. It, another thing about crappie: crappie will only live about eight years. All right. So oh, okay. I was thinking it was closer to five, but I wasn't sure. Well, it's dude, most of most of the crappie will not survive the first two years. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's the way this you know their their system works. So once you start getting crappie that are 11, 12, 13 inch crappie, there's a really good chance that that crappie is going to settle at the bottom of, of a lake or something and never come back up. Yeah. Or a catfish is going to eat him. A turtle is going to eat him. Something like that. Um, and so your, your best bet is to take them, you know, keep those, those thin down enough to where they're not going to overpopulate and start having to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, you know, next thing you know, they're putting your, your krill limit from 15 to 30 and everybody and their brothers running out there and taking 30 per day for, you know, during the, the spawn up for three weeks. So there's there's some stuff that's similar to that that's happening out west. I was actually listening to a podcast about where they totally lifted any and all creel limits in some lakes. They actually want them to be fished out because the water is because of the droughts and stuff. They don't want the fish to go to waste, so they're just saying, "Come and take it all." I was yep. actually surprised to. Well, and see, and there's there's been some lakes that they've uh, that people have dumped aquarium fish in or invasive mm-hmm. species in and stuff like that where they'll drain them down and basically tell the public, look, if you can come out and catch these fish, come and get them. 
instead of them going to waste or us trying to transport a bunch of dead fish somewhere, just come and get them. And I have no problem with that at all. Very cool. All right, James, well, we made it to 8 o'clock. Um, I think everybody asked all the questions. This was really informative. I had a, a, a good time learning all this stuff about ponds, as I do always talking to you. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming in. Um, if you have any questions, we know how to get you know how to get a hold of me. You know how to get a hold of James. Um, there will not be any more uh, Krampus ice fishing rods, so there will not be angry face sinkers. Uh, uh, hold on. I thought there was another Maybe question. There. So, so uh, everybody, if you're not subscribed to James Dockery Fishing, please do. Uh, if you could leave me a like. Uh, if you're not subscribed, if you're watching in the background, I'd love it if you subscribed. Uh, thank you for your time. God bless. And uh, have a wonderful night, guys. Bye-bye. See you guys later.